You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Good morning. I'm trying to take the words of my oldest daughter who said, uh, said, Father, Daddy, I don't know why you're freaking out so much. Just go up there, say hi, read some scripture, tell us what it means, and send us home. I got to thinking about it. I said, Kenzie, that's pretty, pretty accurate, actually. So uh, um, this morning, uh, I come to you, and this is really hard for me in a lot of ways. And the reason why is this. I came to this church to hide. Anybody that knows anything about Southside should be laughing as I say that. Coming to Southside to hide from God is like stepping into his living room, right? <laughs> Imagine God was laughing. He's a Southside. <laughs> He's not going to run real far there. A year and a half ago, I sat back there on that back pew. And uh, as I sat down, I was a man. I was struggling, to be quite honest with you all. This is going to be a very transparent sermon, so I need you to hang with me. I want you to hear my heart this morning. Amen. I sat down uh, in that back of that, that, that service, the back pew back there. And God told me, he said, when I have you ready, you'll preach at that pulpit. He also told me what I was going to preach on. Last week when Brother Jeff set me down, it was the very sermon that God had told me a year and a half ago. So if you're here this morning, I want you to understand, I believe that divinely you were put here this morning. I believe that you were placed here by God to hear this sermon. Now, I don't know what's going on in your lives, but you're going to know way too much about me by the time this is over. And before I start, I want to apologize to the you know, just be transparent. I've not been easy to deal with. Because as we talk about this subject this morning, God has been working this out in my life this week. And in my family, I just owe you an apology. And all the people have heard me whine this week. Uh, I owe them an apology too. Uh, so uh, let's pray. And then we'll uh, look at what God's put in my heart, okay? Father, I, uh, I'm not worthy. God, as your word tells us in Corinthians, Lord, it's through my weakness. I hope they see a little bit of your strength this morning. Father, I thank you, God, for godly men and women who wrapped their arms around me this week and prayed for me. Father, God, who sent me scripture, who encouraged me. Lord, who told me to shut up and stop whining. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for for this church and this congregation, what it means to me, Lord, and to sit up here this this morning, God, and to stand behind me. And I, I admire Reggie and Ledge and Brother Jeff. But, Father, the truth is, is, God, this is about everyone listening as much as it's about us, God, because it's really about you. And, Father, if I don't make this about you this morning, then you shut my lips right now. And, Father, God, that we could find a little bit of freedom in the midst of our struggles in this world. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of the precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. As I sat back there a year ago, God, uh, God began to, through that time, I, I thought I was going crazy. And through that time, God began to echo something in me over and over and over. I'd be cleaning carpet, I'd be working, I'd be doing water damages. And, and stu- this one thing would keep circling through my brain and ke- keep circling through my head. And that is this, is that God is tired of seeing his creation, those that he loves, both in the church and out of the church, be servitude to bondage. Uh, this one passage kept, kept jumping out at me, and I, 
I'll be honest, I wanted to stray away from it. But this is the one we're going to look at this morning. It's 2 Peter 2.19. Everybody's going to have two focal verses this morning. Uh, 2 Peter 2.19. I'll give you a second to get there. Uh, 2 Peter 2.19 reads like this. I'm reading from the New King James. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves to corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. In other words, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. A man is a slave to whatever controls him. A man is a slave to whatever has taken captive over his mind. So what does it mean to be in bondage? Well, the definition is to be in servitude or compulsion, to be led by something, to have something lead you through life, to have something literally take your steps where you don't want them to go. Let me ask you something. You ever experienced that in your life? You ever had something that no matter how hard you shook it, no matter how hard you wanted to break free from it, it kept dragging you back to where it wanted you. It continued to dictate your life in the places that you never thought it was even possible. You know what the biblical definition of bondage is that I believe, and this is just something God gave me last night, is the question is, what's on the throne in your life? I think the ultimate question is a heart problem. So what have you placed on the throne in your life? What has lordship in your life? Uh, Jesus put it like this in Luke 16, 13. He says, you can't do what? Serve what? Two masters. What's going to happen? You'll love one and you'll hate the other. Here's what it's like for some of you in this room this morning. Here's what's happening. You're trying to hold on to Jesus with one hand and this thing that's calling your name with the other. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to tear you in two. All right? It's going to rip you in half. It's going to destroy your life because you can't do that. Jesus says, hey, look, he gave all of himself for us. So you know what he wants in return? He wants all of us. He wants uh, our devotion. He wants our love. Look, I got to have notes. Somebody tell me not to, but I got to. All right. So I flip every now and then, and uh, I may just hold them. I don't know what I'm going to do. But uh, there's an obvious addiction in this world today, one that we see every day around here. If you go to the south side, uh, you don't have to go far to look and see drug and alcohol addiction. It's wrecking this world. It's destroying lives. And, and, and I think one of the biggest problems that I see in this world today is that we think we have an answer to it. We think we have a cure. But I think the church has the answer to it. I think the church has the cure to it. Cancer has been called a disease that, that affects everyone. Everybody here knows somebody affected with cancer, right? You can raise your hands, okay? Most everybody here knows someone that's affected with cancer. In the most recent study uh, by our government, it was estimated that cancer will cost America $258 billion with a B dollars a year. Drug addiction, according to the National Institute of Drug Addiction, will cost America, y'all ready for this? $600 billion. That's almost two and a half times the amount that cancer causes and affects. Uh, before we go any further, you need to know, if you're here today and you struggle with drug and alcohol addiction, I some of you are getting, getting antsy because you think, man, this guy's going to come up here and he's going to condemn me and he's going he's to run down on me. It's far be it from that. I want you to know I love you. You need to know my backstory, okay? 
Before I go any further, my, my, my grandfather's dead because of alcoholism. My grandmother's dead because of alcoholism. I've got brother who struggled with uh, drug addiction. I've got a cousin who's bound to drug addiction as we speak. I got an uncle doing 40 years in prison. I got another uncle drinking himself to death every day. Um, my entire life, I watched it kill, steal. Most of my cousins dead because of alcohol and drug use. Most of my uncles dead because of alcohol and drug use. Somehow, I never used. And uh, I began to, to realize that maybe God had a call in my life. Maybe God was bringing me back to a place so that I can say, hey, look, God loves the drug addict just as much as he loves those that struggle with the eating addiction. God loves the drug addict just as much as he, as he loves those that are struggling with pride and struggling with fear. And so that's what I'm here this morning to do more than anything else. But why is drug addiction so strong? I believe the problem lies in the fact that most people are trying to beat drug addiction the wrong way. Drug addiction, and hear my heart, isn't the problem. It's the symptom to a spiritual problem. A man is enslaved to whatever has, what, mastered him, whatever has controlled him. If you would take a minute, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2.26. As you're turning, I want to read to you Ephesians 6.12. And if you struggle with drug addiction, I need you to listen to me. Listen to my heart. Or any type of addiction. Ephesians 6.12 reads this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you're fighting a battle that really is a spiritual battle. All right. 2 Timothy... Uh, I got to get there. Sorry, I wrote this down. I told you. I'm going to be a little... Not Brother Jeff, so... All right. Second uh, Timothy. And I'm reading from... This is going to be King James because I like the way this translates. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him to do his will. The way that translates in the Hebrew is this. It translates like this. That they may recover literally means to recover from drunkenness. Okay? So, so the picture here is, is that at some point, with the gospel of Jesus Christ being inter intersected as truth, that is when people do what? They recover, they come to themselves, or come to themselves is also how it's translated. So we recover from drunkenness when we find out what? The truth. What's the truth? It's Jesus uh, listen, I believe that drugs and alcohol, this is something I believe with all my heart, I believe it's one of the, if not the most damaging weapon in our enemy's arsenal. You know why? Because it clouds what? It clouds my thinking. It clouds my brain. It clouds my judgment. It makes me unable to see what? Truth. You know, if, if, if Satan begins to intersect something in my life that grips me, that controls me, that affects the way I think, that affects the decisions I make, what will happen almost every single time is I am now open and able to receive his attacks. I have no safeguard. I have nothing guarding me whatsoever in my life because now who's in control of my life? Who's my master? The drug is. The addiction is. Who's fueling that? Satan is. Listen, read, continue reading. They recover themselves out of what? The snare of the devil. That they were taken captive by him to do his will. The picture here of this snare, okay, go back to Ephesians I just read. We're in a spiritual what? 
battle? Do you believe that we're in a spiritual war? We're in a spiritual fight, okay? So they're taken captive by the enemy, by the snare of the enemy, the trap of the enemy. The picture here in the Hebrew, or in the, in the Hebrew is it's almost like being at war. These are prisoners of war here. And in the midst of a battle and in the midst of a fight, they are taken over, taken captive by him. So, sorry, i got to flip the notes. Y'all going to just have to put up with me. Sorry, Chris. Chris fussed at me about this. Um, what will inevitably happen? You ever read stories about prisoners of war? They'll find themselves in places they never thought they would be, right? Sometimes to escape or, or even to put up or to cope with the situation, they'll do what? They'll, sometimes they'll adjust the way they are, won't they? They'll start blending into society. They'll start, start doing whatever it takes to survive. Uh, drugs and alcohol, one of the things that, that, just, that I see, I've seen in my own family and I've seen in the lives of people uh, outside of my family is this. Uh, you do not know where the enemy will take you through that bondage. You don't have a clue, all right? I read recently, me and Chastity were talking about it the other night, of Brendan Manning's book, Ragamuffin Gospel, where a man goes to celebrate buying his daughter a pair of shoes, leaves her in the car, goes inside the bar to celebrate hours past. It was wintertime. Hours and hours passed. He literally drank himself to the point that he forgot about his daughter who he was just celebrating that he loved dearly. To the point to where, if I remember correctly, it was frostbitten, right? They had to remove parts of her body because of what had happened to her. I know a dear friend of mine had told me, who's, who's fighting through uh, recovery right now, a dear friend of mine told me, he said, I had everything. I had a business. I had a family. I was, I was in drugs when I was a kid, and God had pulled me out of it, and I began to walk the right path, and I began to lean on God. The moment, the moment I stopped leaning on God, I thought, you know what, one hit. One hit of crack cocaine is not too bad. I can handle one hit of crack cocaine. He said, that was the last time I went to the business I owned. I walked away from it. That was the last time I saw my family. That was the last time I saw my kids. And I woke up seven years ago in this jail. I know a man personally, and this is going to hurt for some of y'all here, but I need you to hear me. You don't know where drugs will take you. You don't know where the snare and the trap of your enemy will bring you to. I know of a man personally who sold out his daughter to another man to pay off a bar tab. It's more than possible, and it's more than happening. Once the door, once you open the door and fall into the snare, you don't know where you're going to go. You see, at that point, you've rendered yourself powerless to what? The addiction. It's got your life. What is Satan's threefold mission? What is it? Steal, kill, and destroy. Here's one reason that I believe this is a spiritual problem more than anything else. You think he's accomplishing that through drugs and alcohol? Still, I know people I don't even recognize anymore. He's taking their looks. He's taking their beauty. He's taking their intelligence. I know people who can't even complete a complete sentence like I just messed up just then. Uh, he'll take your livelihood. He'll take your family. He'll take everything. It will literally steal everything from you and the joy in your life. It'll take it all. What about kill? Did you know that one, one and four, 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 one and four, nerves will make you not count. Did you know that? One and four people 
die from drug addiction every day. One in four. That's more than suicide. That's more than car accidents. How about destroy? $600 billion in damage. That's a lot, right? Countless homes broken. Parents without children. Children without parents. Right? Drugs temporarily. Here's what drugs do. Drugs is Satan's offer, and it is, it is his answer to what Jesus wants to do in your life. The only problem is they only do it temporarily. All right? they want, he wants to temporarily fill your life with something that you believe will make you bigger than what's your problem you're going through. Satan's goal is to still kill and destroy. Anybody know the, the second half of that verse, John 10, 10? What's, what's Jesus' purpose? Your life, to give it to the fullest, to give it more abundantly. Hey, this isn't some health and wealth gospel here. More abundantly means that, hey, some of us going to work every day when we struggle with drug and alcohol addiction, that's more abundantly. Some of us walking into this church and worshiping, that's abundantly. You know, the truth is, is that God, God wants to do something amazing with all of our lives, but we've got to surrender to his will. Um, that's part of this sermon I, I don't particularly want to preach, um, but it's something that God's put on my heart. And uh, if you hear and you think, you know, Alan, man, I, I get what you're saying. It's really good. Maybe I've been affected by drugs and alcohol and and like, you know, I see it in my loved ones and I've seen it in my life. And um, I believe drug addiction reaches much further than just drugs and alcohol. Excuse me, I believe bondage reaches much further than just drugs and alcohol. Um, let's read the first part of that, that Second Peter 2.19, shall we? While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. The original context in this verse, is me to make sure you understand, because I don't want to take anything out of context, is that what Peter was talking to was false prophets who began to infiltrate the church, who began to, who began to, to promise things, but their lives, you know, they, were, they had their own types of bondage in their lives. I want to ask you something this morning, church. Uh, the first point of this is, is the addiction of bondage. The second point of this is, it's the addiction in the church, the bondage in the church. Let me ask you a question, in all honesty. Is the, church, is, is the world struggling with drug and alcohol addiction? Are they seeing victory in your life? Um, in CR, we call it hurts, habits, and hangups. That's what I love about Celebrate Recovery. That's the program we teach here on Thursday nights. It's not just about drug addiction. It's about anything. Uh, the truth is, uh, that's a nice way of saying this. What's your drug of choice? What's your drug of choice? Um, tell you what, God is tired. He is tired. It's breaking his heart to see people struggle with drug addiction, to watch you getting killed by a lie that you believe from an enemy who never had any good plan for you. He's tired of it. It's breaking my heart too. But you know what else he's tired of? He's tired of watching his church, his ecclesia, his called out ones, the ones that he died for, the ones that know him, struggle with their own addiction to the point that you are rendered useless or at best ineffective in this fight. Some of us here, we're no different than those struggling with drug and alcohol. It's just that our addictions have different names and nicer ones, more palatable ones. Um, so for some people, it's crack cocaine. 
For you it may be that you want approval so bad that you would sacrifice the gospel to reach it. For some of you here, it may be marijuana, but for others, you may be so afraid and so scared that you never even say the name of Jesus in public because they, you don't want the persecution. For some of you here today, it may be, you name it, you're building the kingdom on alcohol. Well, what if I'm building the kingdom on pride? You know, church, we, we are at the front lines of this fight. And if, if the church, if, if they don't see victory in us, and trust me, hey, listen, they're watching they tell me they're watching. They know. You know, uh, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, how can they tell me? How can they tell me that I can have freedom when I watch them at the buffet, right? Slaves to gluttony. How can they tell me that, that Jesus is no one in their lives when, when their own families don't see them around hunting season? How can they tell me? I, I'm going after the wives too, don't worry. How can they tell me that their eyes are on Jesus when their husbands don't even know what their eye color looks like, right? You know, the truth is, what's Lord in your life right now? And are you bringing bondage into this church and into your life? Look at uh, somebody, uh, everybody, not just somebody, uh, turn to Hebrews 12. Start in verse 1. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It reads, in the New King James, it reads like this. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Did y'all hear that? Every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's the thing. For some of us here today, you know, it's, it's not obvious sin. It's something that's hidden. It's something that deep down uh, has your number. It's got you controlled. If you look at what Hebrew, the author of Hebrews is talking about here, he says, such a huge cloud of witnesses. He's talking about the chapter before, which is the chapter of faith. There's some great names in the chapter of faith. Some godly men, right? Men like what? Abraham. Abraham was a liar. There's men like Jacob. Jacob was a liar. There's men like, um, oh, who else is a good? Oh, Moses. Moses was a murderer. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. You know, here's the thing. You know what made these guys get to a point where they could, they could really push forward and move all those weights? Or excuse me, what, what made them get to the point to where they could be listed in this chapter as, as being great men and women of faith is this. They had to lay aside all the weight. If you were a liar, he had to what? You stop lying. You'll find that God did great things in the lives of these believers and these men who we build our faith on, who we practice our faith by their example. He built it because they laid down the weight. They removed that which was holding them back. Uh, I really don't know where else I was going. Uh, so what's the answer? How do you break bondage? Look at, uh, turn to, to Galatians. You know, there's a lot of scripture today, but uh, I'll be honest with you. I came into church this morning and I didn't know what I was going to do here. Uh, I, was, I was whining to Chris, my friend Chris about it, uh, who was telling me to shut up. 
And, uh, and I didn't know. I, I, I struggled with this. And, uh, and then we were up here, and Chris said, why don't, you just go, why don't you just go up to the pulpit? Why don't, you just, why don't you just stand up there and get a feel for things? And so I said, that's stupid. Let's do it. And so I came up here, and uh, I opened my Bible, and it fell to this verse. And in that moment, God told me, this is how I want you to, I want you to, to do this point. Starting in uh, chapter 2. Verse 18. Excuse me, verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which, is, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for the righteousness comes through the law when Christ died in vain. You know, the truth is, for everyone here, whatever our bondage is, I thought about wearing uh, handcuffs and shackles this morning, but some friends talked me out of it, which I'm glad. Um, but that's the truth, right? That's not, just a, uh, that's not just an analogy. It's not just an expression. Some of us are carrying such a weight inside the church that we're not helping anyone. Um, Here's the answer. We need a new master. Uh, at some point during lives, our eyes were blinded. Our eyes were, were seduced by an enemy. Second uh, Corinthians 4.4 4 reads this. Those who mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe in light or the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God, so should shine on them. Jesus is, is just dying to shine on us, right? But here's, here's the problem. We've got blinders on. We can't see them. For some of us, it's obvious. Everybody sees it in your life. For some of us, though, it's not so obvious. It's deep down in our souls. Brother Jeff sitting here one Sunday. He told me, he said, uh, he said, I can hide everything but the condition of my heart. It's always going to be known by God. Everything else, I can, I can make you believe it's all right. But the condition of my heart will always shine through. You need to change the condition of your heart. And we do this by, by finding uh, a new master. So I've been crucified with Christ. I can't build again once again on any of that because I make myself a transgressor. So in other words, what, what I do then is I make myself Lord of my life if I'm not careful. I have to die daily to one thing, and that is the will of Christ. You know, the problem is that some of you didn't know it. But when, uh, when we start letting the world dictate us and start letting the world control us, here's what happens. We got a master, and his name is, we're doing his will. Uh, those same men, I was telling you those stories about a while ago. One of those is in heaven right now. I have no doubt he repented, gave his life to Christ. Uh, they had no idea the heartache they were causing. They didn't realize the damage they were taking in their lives. Um, let me do this. Um, to celebrate recovery, we walk through 
the importance, and I invite you, any, any Thursday night, 6 o'clock, I don't care what you're struggling with, we'd love to have you. But Celebrate Recovery, we walk through the importance of, first of all, we have to, and I wanted to do this, first of all, we have to admit, you know what, I got a problem. I'm weak, I have to admit my weakness. Sound like the plan of salvation any of you, right? As believers in Christ, we came to a point where we had to admit that Christ, that we couldn't do it, that we were slaves to sin. So the first thing we have to do is admit that something has us in bondage, that we are slaves to it. The second step is this. It is understanding that I have a God that loves me, that I matter to him, and that only his power can help me recover. All right, the third step is this. I'm not going to walk through all eight principles. My friend Kevin's back there, and he's looking at me. Uh, the, uh, the third step is this. I have to choose to commit all my will in Christ's care and control. All right, so here, here's what it is. At some point in your life, you've put something on the throne that only Christ Jesus wants to inhabit. You say, well, why can't he just, he just come and take that throne? Well, see, God gave us this thing called free will. He gave us this ability to choose because he wants us to love him as much as he loved us. He wants us to choose him because a gift required is no gift at all, right? So here's the thing. At some point, we've got to get to a place where we acknowledge who we are, acknowledge what has our number, lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ, believe that he can restore me, and then submit to every change that God wants to make and will make in your life. I'm going to walk down. I'm going to do my best brother Jeff impersonation and step down here. Um, I want to sit down. Can I sit down? All right. This is actually the hardest part of this thing. I told you a year and a half ago I sat back there. Pretty much where my, my daughter's sitting now. And uh, God said, you know, son, one day you'll, you'll preach up here. But first, I gotta, I gotta do some things. So first, I gotta, I gotta show you some stuff. First, I gotta walk you through something that you don't see. First, I gotta, I gotta make you see your own bondage. Can I talk to you this morning about what my bondage is? Is that okay? God begin to, begin to, speak through me and begin to say, you know, it's some my, my, my creation's in bondage. I go into homes. We're going to a lot of homes, and we're worshiping entertainment. If I did an entertainment quiz, you'd probably score better than that than we would the Bible quiz. Right? We worship sports. I know today's Super Bowl bad subject, right? But we do. We're worshiping things outside of Christ Jesus, and they have our number, and they're dictating us. But it's more than that. It's the things of the heart. It's the pride. It's the fear. It's the failure. It's the things that we keep deep inside that we don't want to... We don't want to walk up here, and we can't walk up here because we're afraid. Because if they really knew what I was subject to and what I was in bondage to, they would never follow me. They'd never listen to me. Uh, I was having a hard time worshiping at church for a long time, and here's the reason why. Now, if y'all think I'm crazy, that's okay. I thought I was crazy too. Uh, but I would sit back there in that back row, and every time I try to raise my hand, every single time I try to, I try to close my eyes and worship, I'd see the same thing. It's a dark room, and it's me, but I had on chains, and I could never see what I was chained to. 
I could never see what they were tied to. But right outside of my reach was a megaphone that I couldn't quite get to because the chains weren't long enough. This went on for a long time, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and, and months. That I, 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 would, I would walk out of this congregation. I'd walk around this church and just pray because I became so frustrated because I couldn't understand what was going on and why couldn't I just praise God? Why, what was he doing to me that I couldn't be just like everybody else in here? I would hide try to hide from y'all, not talk to some of y'all that were so nice. Um, then once, one Saturday morning, I was getting ready in my bathroom and had the radio playing. Hadn't thought much of it because it usually happened here. And in that moment, as I was listening to a song, a lyric on the radio of a popular Christian song said, uh, remind me that I am the one you love. Everybody's heard that song, right, Jason Gray? Remind me that, that I'm the one you love. And in that moment, I just started to weep. I hit my knees, and I began to cry right there in my bathroom like a, like a baby, like a child. And here's the thing. I didn't know why I was crying. I didn't know why I was heaving on the floor. I told you it's going to be transparent. All right? And then... After doing that for what felt like an hour, which was probably a minute, uh, I went back to that familiar place that I had seen here in church so many times. And there I was again, chained in bondage. But this time I could see a different picture. You see, I could see the full view. And I saw Jesus. And he smiled. And he pointed down. And I saw the megaphone. I said, God, I can't reach it. And, and he showed me that I was free. Now, y'all hear me. Once again, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I promise I'm not. And I would put the chains on every single time before I would reach for the megaphone. This time I saw what I was chained to. There were two bricks with words written on those bricks now, I want you to hear me. If, if I had told you what I thought would have been written on those bricks, I would have been dead wrong. That comes back to our original point, that this is a spiritual problem. For some of you in this room, you think you know what your bondage is. You think you know what's holding you back. You think you know what's keeping you from the, 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 the full life that Christ Jesus wants you to have. He wants you to reach people. He wants you to get sober. He wants you to get clean. But you don't have a clue because it's deeper than what you can see. You are looking at the symptoms and not the cause. Also, the idea that I was putting the chains back on myself. For some of you today, you're free in Christ Jesus. You're much like Paul talked about in Galatians 5.1. He said, don't go back to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to bondage. Don't go back to religion because you're free in Christ Jesus. But some of you, you know what? You find comfort in your cage. For some of us here today, we find comfort in our chains it's a lot easier, it's a lot easier, y'all, for me to teach Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights and stand up here. It's a lot easier for me to be at my, in my Sunday school class this morning than it would have been pacing up around here. For some of you, your comfort has become such a cage that you don't want to leave it. 
And you would go back to bondage even if it meant, even if it meant forsaking the call of Christ on your life. So what's written on stones that y'all want to know? Come back next week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> on one brick was the word fear. And on the other brick was the word approval. You see, uh, this week's been, uh, for lack of a better word, hell at my house because I've been uh, a nightmare to live with. Uh, my wife deserves a medal. Uh, because here's the thing. God is using this sermon to work me out of what's comfortable to me. I'm afraid. Can I be honest? I'm afraid. I'm scared. Because I think I'm going to mess this up. You know, I think I'm going to be bigger than what Jesus is, and that's impossible. You see, that's a lie that I believed. You see, I want approval. I want Reggie to approve of this sermon here because I respect Reggie. And he puts up with Kenzie, which is good enough, right? Uh, I love you, Kenzie. I want the approval of, of the men in this room and Brother Jeff who will be listening to this sermon. I want their approval. But here's the problem. When approval and fear become such an addiction and such a bondage, it is then my master. It is then have control over me, and I cannot serve Jesus fully. I can't preach. I can't do anything. Because something else is my master. Um, I don't know how long I've gone. I, I really don't care. Uh, because this is what God's given me to fill my heart today. Uh, let me ask you something. What's got you beat? What's Second Peter 2.19 to you? What's, what's What's master in your life? Let me tell you, here's the thing. We're selfish by nature. Selfish, selfishness got us into the predicament we're in. You think it's your life, you can do whatever you want with it. That is not true. I'm a walking, breathing example of how addiction has affected my life every step I go, and for the reason I'm afraid today. Okay, it's not true. You're not just affecting you. But what's even worse is that you're keeping yourself from something that God's got plan for you bigger than you could ever imagine. You say, well, you know, what if I don't think I have a bondage problem? You know, we got to get to a point where we admit all our weaknesses. James Goss sent me a scripture this week, 2 Corinthians, that I quoted this morning in the prayer, that it's in my weakness that I find strength. Keep leaning on your own strength, see where it takes you. I've read all the books, I've read all the stuff, all the studies. I know this, that everybody I know, and some people may disagree, but this is just what I've seen. I grew up in NA. I grew up in AA. I've been doing Celebrate Recovery. Everybody I know that has gotten clean, sober, free from any bondage, any addiction, did it through God. And the ones that didn't, now, hey, listen, I know some that did. I got a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus at all. He's a hardcore biker. Uh, I love him dearly. But the truth is, is that he got sober for 18 years from hardcore drug addiction. 18 years. For the last 10, he's been drinking himself to death. You see, here's the thing. The scripture in, in, in Matthew where it says, you know, we remove everything, but we don't feel it right. And what those demons come back, don't they? You see, we've got to put Jesus on the right 
place in our lives, the throne of our lives. I got to take me down. I got to take the booze down. I got to take the crack down. I got to take the fear down. I got to take the approval down and put Jesus where he belongs. And only in that moment will we have freedom. So I, but I don't know where the praise team is, but because uh, uh, I don't quite know how this works, but, but stand. Maybe, maybe they'll come up here eventually when I'm, when I'm suffering. Uh, because this may have been quicker than what normal, I don't know. But hear my heart. I'm going to ask you a question, and this is from my heart. Ledge, a few months ago, preached a sermon that, that impacted me on, on Tower of Babel. And at the end of that sermon, he asked the question, what are you building? What are you building, right, Ledge? I asked the question this morning, what are you dragging? What are you dragging? What are you dragging to the altar of this church? I think a lot of us are like this. We, we realize something in our lives, and we come and we try to bring it to this altar. And we come down here, and we're sincere, right? We, we totally believe it, and we, we pray much like I've prayed through this week about fear and about approval and trying not to be the man that I, I want to be and cling to that. And what, what we do a lot of times is we say, God, take it, and we lay it down. Pick it back up. Take it back with us. Can I ask you a question? Church, if the world was honest, would they see someone that's shouting victory from their life? Or do they see you in another addiction that just has a nicer name? What are you dragging? Are you dragging like me? Is it fear and approval? Maybe it's doubt. I don't know. What are you dragging? Is it drug addiction? What are you dragging? And could we lay it down here this morning at this altar in our hearts and in our lives and be the church that God's called us to be? Um, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know something that, that I believe he's the only hope. I, I've looked at other answers for hope. I've tried to find hope in myself. I'm trying to find hope in various things. And, and the only place I've ever been able to find hope and find peace is in the arms of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd like to, you know, you say, Alan, man, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. Well, I've, I've, I've got friends of mine here who have who've been through drug addiction. They're on the other side. They would talk to you in a heartbeat. I would talk to you. I'd wrap my arms around you. I just hit the mic, sorry. I'd wrap my arms around you. I would love on you. We won't judge you. But we have to know that you need our help. Okay? So, so this morning, um, I'm going to pray. And, and Ledge, would you? Reggie, would you? Uh, and uh, at the end of this sermon today, I'm going to, uh, when we get done here this morning, I'm going to ask, uh, or say, no, I was going to do so they're going to get mad at me. Anybody here that works with Celebrate Recovery to go stand over there at the Connect Table area? If anybody would like to take their hand and just talk to them about anything, they would love to talk to you, I promise you. Even though I didn't tell them that we were going to do this, they will, they will be more than willing to wrap their arms around you. Russell, that includes you, all right, who just graduated. Uh, so let's pray. Father, I just, Lord, I don't even know what all I said, to be honest. But God, I just pray, Lord, that ultimately, God, you'll find some glory in this. And God, that we could come in here this morning. Father, and be free. And Lord, that we could worship you, Lord, without any chains, without any bondage. Father God, that we could do as your word tells us to, Lord, that we could, we could walk with you, Lord, and we could commune with you, God. And we could have a spirit, Lord, that, that dwells inside of us, Lord, that convicts us and shows us, Lord. Father God, we want to give you 
the right place, God, in our lives. We want you number one on the throne in our lives, Lord. And Father, I just ask for your forgiveness in my own life, God, in the way I've, I've cowered to fear and I've bowed to approval. Father, this morning, Lord, would you, just, would you just allow us to have a moment, God, to where this church, Lord, can lay down their addictions, lay down their afflictions. And God, that they can see, Lord, that only time they will ever be strong is in, the, is in Christ Jesus, Lord. And that their faith, Lord, God, will, will overshadow their weakness. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you, for, thank you for dying for us. Thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.